When you block for Fran Tarkington, you really have to be on the go. You have to maintain contact with your man all the time. What was that call like when you found out you were a finalist for the Hall of Fame? Oh, well, it was exciting. It was exciting. I was hoping it would happen, and I guess it did. Hey, everybody. Normally, we start our show with, with a TV show tribute. We're not going to do that this week. Uh, welcome to Vikings Report, Drew and Ted. I am not Drew. He is. He's not Ted. I am. And Toons is hi. She's in the background somewhere. How are you doing, Toonses? I'm doing good. Thanks. We're starting off this, this show uh, a little bit different. If you watched us in the offseason, you know we, used to, we, we did the TV show and a Jersey tribute. This week, we're, we're going to just do a Jersey tribute because uh, earlier in this week, we learned of the passing of a longtime Vikings legend, former center, number 53 in your program, number one in your heart, Mick Tinglehoff. So we're going to dedicate this segment that we, instead of the TV show, we're going to throw back uh, and do a little little Jersey tribute on, on Mick. So this news hit me hard, Drew. I don't know about you. It was really shocking. Mick Tinglehoff was part of the... You know, part of that, him and Ed White and Ron Yeri, the right side of that line, it's when you, when you lose one of these guys, it just brings you down to thinking how important those games were when we were growing up and how important the foundation was. And, I mean, Mick Tinglehoff, it didn't get much better for interior linemen than that. The story behind his undrafted coming through the ranks and never missing a game. I can't even think of another NFL player who never missed a game in 17 years. 17 years, did not miss one game. Every single Minnesota Vikings game played from 1962 to 1978, Mick Tinglehoff started and played in. You know, we talk about Jim Marshall, and rightly so, because he was the Vikings Ironman who had 279, I believe it was, straight starts from 61 to 79. The only other guy that got even close was Mick Tinglehoff. And, you know, I remember Tinglehoff as a guy that never said a lot. You never saw him quoted in the newspaper, very reserved on the sidelines, just kind of the the, the typical Vikings player from, from back then, not not a lot of rah-rah, um, just very businesslike in his demeanor and, and just went out and did his job exceptionally well in almost every single game he ever played. Start off with something Ed White said last Saturday, flashing back to when he was drafted in 69 and Tinglehoff was there. I played next to Tinglehoff for so many years. Yep. So close, such good friends on that yep. great, great, Vikings offensive line back in the 60s and 70s. But Ed White got drafted in 69. He said, you know, I was a rookie, and he treated me like I'd been next to him for 20 years. He was that kind of a guy. He was quiet and tough as nails, and he never complained. He was an unbelievably kind, generous person. I think the last time he visited with, with Mick was – they had a little reunion or something in 2019. Cracked up with Mick Tinglehoff. Mick him and Ed had a really good visit. It was just really special. And at least they had that time. But uh, you look at uh, Mick Tinglehoff. We talked about 17 seasons. Undrafted, Ted. Out of Nebraska, yeah. How do you undrafted and play 17 years and be in Hall of Famer and a five-time All-Pro and a six-time Pro Bowler? And you know, get drafted maybe because of his size. He was what, what, six two and two thirty, I think, two thirty five. And not only all those accolades, the the Vikings twenty fifth anniversary team, the Vikings fortieth anniversary team, the Minnesota Vikings Ring of Honor, the best center to ever play for the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings have had a, a up until recently, but 
they've had a pretty good history of, you know, guys like Matt Burke and Jeff Christie and, and Kirk Loudermilk and Dennis Swilly, who took over for, for McTinglehoff, was pretty good. I, but to this day, 60 years into the history of this franchise, McTinglehoff still stands head and shoulders above the rest. And it was, it, it was, a uh, it was tough reading that for me. I, I you know, they, very, very, very tough. You, you and me are, are, are cut from the same cloth. We grew up watching those purple people eaters teams and, and guys like Mick Tinglehoff were, were larger than life for us. Right. Just, just those guys, you know, put them on a pedestal heroes, whatever, whatever the term is you want to use. And, and, it just, wow, it's just, you know, they're getting old and, you know, that's part of the circle of life, but it still doesn't make it feel any better. I do not even remember McTinglehoff ever missing a block. He would block his own guy, pick up the blitzer, circle around on stunts. The guy was really smart offensive lineman. Yeah. Bud Grant said he's one of the five greatest Vikings to ever play. That's Bud Grant. Probably the best offensive lineman to ever play for the Vikings, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think he he played right during the era where all those guys were just tough as nails. Yep. When you talk about Ed was just super strong, the strongest guy in the NFL. Then they have the toughest guy in the NFL. They have Ron Yeri on the other side who's tough and strong. It's yeah. like they all deserve to play together. They're all legendary, but holding it all together, holding the center together, the center position, the center of the offensive line, opening up holes for Chuck Foreman. And, and you're right, Ted. He didn't boast. He didn't talk about it in the news, boasting about it, not out and doing the Dougie on the logo. None of those guys did any of that stuff. So, And, and I, I, would, I would submit if anybody on the Vikings had tried to do something like that, one of the first guys to greet him, that, that player back on the sideline, would have been Mick Tinglehoff and Jim Marshall going, what the hell were you thinking? Don't ever do that again. Right. It's interesting you mentioned that because back in 67 – uh, Grant named Tinglehoff a captain, and he named Marshall a captain. So it's a perfect segue into what you just said. They're, those were the two captains. And it made me start thinking, don't the Vikings have this name like eight captains? What is that all about? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, like, uh, it sounds like it. Eight yeah. captains. Yeah. No, it was – I think I I think I think Marshall was a captain in 67. I think he named Tinglehoff a captain the same year. And they were the captains throughout the, ten- the whole time. Yeah. All through the 70s, two guys. Because that's what you need. Yeah. yeah. And now we got eight captains. Oh, <laughs> Captain, my captain. Captain, my captain. You're dead on the deck. For eight, <laughs> for eight captains, they looked like they were on captain yesterday. They got a little captain in them. Got a little captain in you. No, McTingleup. <laughs> I got one tidbit to head out of McTingleup, then I'll let you finish it up with him. All right. Uh, Fred Zamberletti who died back in 2018, the great athletic trainer, the longest-tenured Viking ever. Uh, everybody knows Fred Zamberletti. He told the story in 2015 of Mick Tinklehoff going into the season opener in New Orleans against the Saints. The Vikings weren't going to let him play because of some kind of shoulder problem. Tinklehoff then rammed and severely dented the locker door to fix his shoulder to get it back into place. They, think of that, Ted. And then he went out and played the game. Just tough as nails, man. All those guys back then, you, you met, and we've talked about this before, just how durable all those guys were back then. They, it's like the regulars never missed a game. Those core group of guys played together for well over a decade, and they were almost all on the field every single week. It's amazing. That's yeah. probably 
of all the amazing things that that era of Minnesota Vikings football accomplished, that might be the most amazing statistic of them all. I, we got to look it up one day. You, you look at those core guys like, like Tinglehoff and Marshall and Eller and Tarkington and how many games out of how many possible games played they actually did. I bet it was over 90%. Easy over 90%. I don't see anybody on the 2021 roster running into a locker like Mick Tinglehoff to get his shoulder back into the socket. Come no. on. That's imagine sitting there watching that going, you got to leave it out in the field if your teammate's doing that. That is, yeah. That's inspiring. Our, our hearts are heavy on the news of, of the passing of Mick Tinglehoff. Our thoughts and our condolences go out to the entire Tinglehoff family. Just know that in all your sadness, Mick brought us many, many days and, and years of, of absolute joy. Uh, and may there be some small comfort in that. So rest in peace, Mick Tinglehoff. Now, a little bit more lighthearted. We move, we move along. Last week, we started a season-long contest. We finished our over-under contest, if we remember, and we'll reveal the winner of that at the end of the year. Last week, we started a season-long fantasy football contest. Each week, Drew Tunes and I are going to pick one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers, and a tight end, total them up in a standard PPR point scoring system. And we had our first winner, and it wasn't me. And you got and the most votes. Drew. <laughs> Majority of the people picked Ted Glover's team, and he didn't win. I didn't. Uh, Drew, did you win? I did not. I well, that second, would mean who won? I had the second most votes. You had the most votes. <laughs> people got on your boat. People were paddling your boat right along. Ah, Ted Glover. You got it by row the boat, Scotty Mago Gophers. Thanks. Oh, wait, I'm going to jump on Drew's boat. You and I were apparently the captain of the Titanic last week because only two people, only two people picked Tootses, who won – I think rather convincingly, didn't she? I mean, she pretty much whipped our rear end. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Iceberg dead ahead. <laughs> Iceberg dead ahead. Iceberg dead ahead, sir. <laughs> Tootsis ended up with the top team, and only two people picked her team. Stephen Hilsgen and GMAC72, who won a prize on our live wow. show yesterday. By the way. GMAC 72 is rolling, man. Yeah, he won a prize yesterday on our live telecast after the uh, Vikings game against Cincinnati. Toots has won the week. She had 121.9 points. You okay. were second. You were second with 78.9. Okay. And I have a touch under 50. <laughs> hey, I still That's got like... one guy playing tonight, though. Yeah. Who's who recording before Monday Night Football? Hollywood Brown. Okay. So if Hollywood Brown rips off nine touchdowns. I'm going to win. So you have a touch of Ebola is what you're telling me. Oh, big Ebola. <laughs> big old giant Ebola. Hollywood right. Ebola. So I'm not going to catch up. Tootsies wins the first week. So we're going to have our fantasy football segment a little bit. Make sure uh, you, you enter if you haven't. There's plenty of time to catch up. There's still 16 games, 16 weeks of games, and there's only two people with, with one victory. So it, it's anybody's game. That's a good point, Ted. Only two people picked Toots' team, so that's like kind of like the NFC North right now. You still yeah. got a shot. Everybody, yeah. nobody really gains ground on anybody. So, with, with your first place Minnesota Fighting Vikings at zero and one, yeah, baby, <laughs> what a start yesterday! I'm jacked on that, man. Uh, all right, so that's our fantasy football stuff. All right, so let's get back to 
some of our Vikings news. We talked about the game yesterday. We'll probably go back and, and refer to a couple of segments in the game, but if you want to get our thoughts on yesterday's game, go to our YouTube page, check out uh, Vikings Report Rewind. We, we said everything I think there, there was to say as, as of 4 o'clock Central Time yesterday afternoon. But one of the things that came out, and I think this sort of goes into what happened Sunday and, and where we might be heading, um, is Matthew Collar, Vikings beat writer, had this tweet, and he said, Mike Zimmer said he got together with Kirk Cousins to watch film on the Bengals' defense. Said that was the first time he's done that with Kirk, and that he used to do that with Teddy. And dot, 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 Cousins asked him to. I don't, I don't even know what to think of that, that the head coach hasn't watched film. I could see it maybe not happening every week, and I, I don't think it needs to be a, a weekly ritual. But not watching film with your starting quarterback for the first three full years, he's here. And not until the quarterback asked him to, hey, coach, it's like, it, it's like that song Cats in the Cradle. <laughs> the, the son that the, the dad never hangs out. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot to do, son. That's okay. That's in the cradle and the silver spoon. You ain't Bud Grant and you ain't Warren Moon. <laughs> when you're going to win, Dad, I don't know when. Oh. We'll get together then, son. You know, we'll have a good time then. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, like, am I am I overreacting? Is this no, something it, that is not, is abnormal, or is this something that goes on a lot? The first thing, as soon as I mention it, the first people jump out to say, "Come on, Drew, that's the offensive coordinator's job. You delegate that to the offensive coordinator." Which I don't know. Chuck Knoll sat in, watched film with Terry Bradshaw like eight hours a day. So if you want to say Chuck Knoll doesn't know what he's doing, go right ahead and say it. But I think you need to be dialed in with your quarterback. Plus, you can't really use that argument. Because he said it, he did it with Teddy. So why would he? Why would he do it with one quarterback and not with another? Honestly, that was the key takeaway for me. Because if, if Zimmer had not watched film with any of his quarterbacks, okay, fine. But he he watches it with Teddy, and he doesn't watch it with I, I don't know if he did with Case or Sam. But he didn't for three years with his starting quarterback that they went out and got specifically to win a Super Bowl in 2018. This is the guy that that they all said the Vikings management sold us on. This is the missing link. This is the guy. I would think Mike Zimmer would have got him into the film room and said, look, Kirk, let's watch film of what you did in Washington. You tell me what you do well and what you're comfortable with. And then I will look at some of the defenses and I will say, look, this is what I think based on that, what you've just told me, what a lot of defenses will come at us with because Mike Zimmer is an exceptional defensive mind. I don't care what anybody says, exceptional defensive mind. And I think they could have come up with some sort of playbook that would have made Kirk Cousins set up for success as much as possible to begin with. And they, it appears that they didn't do that. You do whatever it takes to get an advantage on the, on the team you're playing. Whatever it takes to make your team better. If you're walking the dog and somebody says, you'll probably win if you take the dog for another lap. Well, you know what, Fido? Have a drink of water. We're going for another lap. Oh, man. What a good day to go outside and walk my dog. Bark. You do whatever you... <laughs> No, you do whatever you can. You remember when uh, Bledsoe got knocked senseless? Brady took over, finished the game. The next day, Belichick called him in the office to the film room, sat him down, gave him a piece of paper, and he said, what plays do you like? 
And Brady went, all right, started jotting down X square, you know, slant list, screen pat, whatever. Belichick said, all right, we're going to fire up all the film on those plays. We're going to watch them together. And you're going to tell me what specifically you like about them. That's what you do. That's, yeah. that's what you do. I don't think there's an excuse for it. I don't, I don't think so either. And people that are, are defending Zimmer in with this tweet, and there was a, a huge discussion on Twitter when, when Matthew Collar put this out. Well, Teddy Bridgewater was a rookie, and, and okay, that's fine, and that's valid. But whether you're a rookie or whether you're a seven- or eight-year guy, I, I, would, I would think the key component for a solid relationship and, and a good, positive locker room that, that helps teams when the going gets tough, as it were, would be the coach and his quarterback being on the same page and understanding what each other is thinking in almost every possible game situation when the offense is out on the field. And I don't think that's there. I, I think Mike Zimmer abdicated the offense about the time Kirk Cousins got here. He hired John Filippo, and then, you know, the, the 17 other offensive coordinators, and now we're at, at Clint, son <laughs> of Gary. He's just taking a hands-off approach, and I think we may be seeing the result of that coming to fruition. The reason he watched film with Teddy and he does it with Kirk is because he likes Teddy more. He's never gotten over the Vikings getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think he's ever liked Kirk Cousins. And I know uh, Courtney Cronin talks about the, the 10 people in the room scenario when it came to signing Kirk Cousins. We have 10 people in this room. Nobody's leaving until we get a 10 for 10 vote. If one person's against it, we're not doing it. You know what? They walked out of there. They were all for it. But I don't think Zimmer really was. I, I agree. There, there's a problem with your organization right there. If you got a, a head coach who doesn't really care much for the, the quarterback, which – you know, he should have spoke up then. If we're doing the 10-person club, that was yeah. his time to speak up and, and stand against it. He probably just kind of felt at the time he's overwhelmed. He probably wanted to go to the taco bar. Whatever. Get him. I'm hungry. I want to leave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He kind of got coerced no, into doing it or something. But it doesn't seem like Kirk's really been his guy from the beginning, has it? It's certainly no, not like Teddy. doesn't seem like that at all, no. They show it on sidelines and, and Zimmer's squirting water in Teddy's mouth and tying his shoelaces for him. <laughs> Like a kid at like a kid at Pop Warner camp. I, I, I just there's no other way. You can word it however you want. You know, Teddy was younger and I don't, he just doesn't do it because he doesn't like the guy. I mean, what's wrong with that? Do you so, think he cares for him? For for Kirk? Yeah. I think professionally he does. Will Zimmer ever invite Kirk down to the ranch to go fishing? No. Explain to me why you wouldn't watch film with your quarterback. The only scenario, and I, I don't even know if this is an excuse, but like if you're more focused on the defense and you're working on the defensive game plan, most of your time is going to be spent there. But I don't see why you can't take an hour, even an hour out of your day to, to walk in the quarterback room and say, what are you guys working on? Sometimes you really need a, a fresh set of eyes to look at things to see, hey, this is what we're doing. What do you think? Well, why would you doing this? And why are you doing that? I think Zimmer could be that guy to come in and spark questions in the offensive room and, and maybe say, what are you guys thinking here, as opposed to the offense going out and, and Kirk Cousins throwing 51 passes and only 10 of them go past the line of scrimmage? Or, or using play action like less than 15% of the time yesterday? I, I don't know, man. It just the, the, it bugs me. If you spent, like you said, even an hour, if you found one thing, 
that Cousins found that talked to Zimmer that they both found together one single mismatch, one thing, Ted, that could be the difference in winning a game. You never, never know. Don't leave. What's the rock unturned? How's that go? Uh, leave no stone unturned. To leave no stone unturned. When you are determined to achieve something, you go all out of your way to make sure that you achieve it. That's right. Like back when you flew those helicopters, I bet you you knew every gauge on that thing. And if one's split in red, you're going, that's a stone unturned that we got to check out. We've got that as a backdrop, which happened before the game. And then we saw the game. And yeah. And then there was the game. And I, I just alluded to this a little bit. We'll put this graphic up. Kirk Cousins, 36 of 49, 351 yards, two TDs. Now, at face value, that's, that's a pretty good day. But when you look at this graphic, it shows how far the ball traveled downfield when Kirk Cousins, when it left Kirk Cousins' hand. And, and the bottom line is, I'm counting 11 of 49 passes went 10 yards or more. Six went more than 50 yards. And four went more than 20 yards. You know, there are a lot of people that defend Kirk Cousins on the stats. And, well, he's, you know, 350 yards, two touchdowns. Quarterback rating was 130, whatever the hell it was. This is the only stat I need right here. <laughs> Look on your face, dude. You're just like, that's so Ted Glover. What the heck? Whatever the hell it was. Well, I want this graphic to be seared into your eyes because this is the only Kirk Cousins graphic you need and and at the end of three quarters i we mentioned this on the live show yesterday chad graff tweeted out the average yards downfield throw for kirk cousins was 5.1 which means oh. he threw on average uh of all his throws through the end of three quarters the ball traveled five yards downfield tell me you're going to win a lot of football games thinking you're going to you're going to successfully execute 10 12 15 play drives against an nfl defense even if it may be a team that was as bad as the Cincinnati Bengals last year. Couple that on with all the third and longs they had. They had third and yeah. 20 all day. Oh, oh, So yeah. couple, couple those two things together. If you're throwing for 5.1? 5.1 was his passes thrown average at the end of three quarters. He didn't throw a lot of, a lot of Russell Wilson rainbows in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Let me take this back to what we were just talking about. Okay. Maybe if the head coach had been sitting, sitting in on some of those minis or popped his head in, in the room and, and Kirk put himself in that little plexiglass bubble like he said he was going to do. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Maybe Mike Zimmer, being that fresh set of eyes, could have said, hey, you know, your game plan looks like a lot of five and six yard this and that. And, and oh, by the way, maybe that's just not the best of ideas. Why don't we look to stretch it out? Although, conversely, if Mike Zimmer to walk in the room and, and Clint Kubiak had nothing but a World War II a B-17 thousand-plane air raid plan. The bombs go down. This is the moment when the Sperry bomb site, the amazing mechanical brain of the force, has pinpointed the target. He can, like, literally light it on fire. No, you're no. running Dalvin Cook 60 times like Chris Gates said yesterday. <laughs> So I don't know. knew that was coming. I don't know. You know the scenario just said? I picture Zimmer opening the door. Kirk's in there watching film. He opens the door and he's looking in there. Should I go in there and like watch film with him? And then behind his shoulder, Everson Griffin sticks his head over Zimmer's shoulder and says, your game is ass. And then starts running, <laughs> starts running down the hall. And then Zimmer runs the other way. Like, that's the kind of stuff that goes on. I bet it might be. Now, now, to your point, you, you brought this up, the third and longs. We mentioned this on the live show. I, I had counted, I think, 13 or 14 at the end of three quarters, the situations where the Vikings were either facing either second and 15 
or third and 15 or more. All day. This, this was from the Star Tribune. Let me read this off. Okay. In Sunday's 27-24 overtime loss to the Bengals, the Vikings faced nine third downs of 10 yards or more and six of at least 15 yards. They're most in a game since pro football reference began compiling play-by-play data in 1994. So congratulations, Minnesota Vikings. You've set another only the Vikings could do this thing. Zimmer has quite a few of those. Safeties, he does. In, a quarter, safeties in a quarter, a bunch of most points given up in a whatever. You know, He has a lot of those kind of records. See? Who made the big play when it mattered yesterday? Which quarterback? Joe Burrow. Kirk didn't. And this leads to kind of our final point in here. And, it, and it's a guy, guy by the name of Phil Mackey. He, he's either loved or hated in Vikings land. A lot of people don't like him because they think he's too negative. And he said, you know, a large portion of Vikings fans bend over backwards after every loss to explain why it wasn't Kirk's fault. And that's true. And some, and sometimes that defense is warranted. I mean, there, there are people sure. that just want to blame Kirk for absolutely everything all the time. And that's, that's right. crap. That's just not right. true. I agree. But, and, and he even says, was today's loss Kirk's fault? No, it wasn't. And I, no. I agree. It was not. Do you, do you think it was Kirk Cousins' fault, the reason the Vikings lost, Drew? No. Okay. But do a top six or seven quarterback in the NFL find a way to rise up and beat the Bengals in that game? Yes, they do. Is Kirk paid like a top three quarterback? Yes, he is in terms of cap percentage. He, he is. He's the second or third highest guy in the league. So he goes on to say, what is the point of paying top three money to a quarterback if he isn't able to rise up and bail the team out on a fairly regular basis? See Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Brady, etc. He said, that's my point. It's not always about fault. It's about solutions when the game is on the line. And, and more often than not, the Vikings and Kirk Cousins don't have a solution for when they are needing a big play. I'm not going to argue with that one bit. I think that's very accurate. So we've talked about that, and this leads to a new segment we're going to do, and we're going to call it the Drew Bunting Question of the Week. <laughs> Everybody out there is going, great, we've got to hear that idiot talk some more. Drew, my, my question to you, my friend, is yes. this. After one week, because we have all said this is make or break season, go to the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl, make a de- deep playoff run. Deep playoff run means either beating Tampa Bay or, or meeting Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship or beating them in the playoffs. Okay. Right now, does this team, the Minnesota Vikings, do you think they are able to compete with and beat Tampa Bay in a post-game situation? Unbelievable. Big old moment. Drew, question of the week. And he asked me that. Come on. Ask me the real question. I get what you're doing here, Ted. You're messing with me. That is really the question. Both those teams I saw initially last Thursday or whenever the opening day was for NFL football were on a completely different level than the Vikings. They're not even close to Tampa Bay, Ted. Think about Tampa Bay. I would argue played a sloppy game. They had, what, four turnovers? Had some untimely penalties? They, they played a terrible game, but they found a way to win. And the Minnesota Vikings played a terrible game and did not win. But you see the leadership of Tampa Bay from Arians to Brady. You see the leadership just, like, oozing everywhere, dude. Yeah. On the sidelines during the game, Brady's talking up his team, meeting with the O-line, with the receivers, looking at that little blue thing with, I think they watch porn on. I don't think they're looking at plays. <laughs> To 
be honest, that tablet thing. There's, I've never seen the front of it. I've never seen it. <laughs> I swear that skin flicks on those things. You imagine Tom Brady with all those false starts the Vikings were doing. That guy's head would have exploded. Yeah. It's like a bowling league. You got those teams that are really serious, that match up, that like scout the other teams. We're going to put Fred up against this guy because he he's a lefty. He bowls better on lane two. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. And he has an average of 237. And then you got the team that just flops in there with their flip-flops <laughs> on. They're already buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about bowling. They want to get more drunk than they already are. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. That's how I see Tampa Bay. Minnesota is so far behind Tampa Bay, dude. That's the Drew Bunning question of the week. So it is time to do our fantasy football. Now, we're also kind of in, in league with uh, Vikings Uncensored. We're doing a season-long competition, and I think they, they got the better of us week one, didn't they? Oh, dude. They beat us. Uh, they totaled 193.6. Mm -hmm. You and I you and I are at like 128 right now. We have one guy playing tonight, but he's not going to get 70. So, Well, this week, Tunces takes the lead. She's 1-0. And like we said earlier, only two people picked her. So this is, folks, this is your chance to get back in this thing. Wait, that is a custom prize uh, card collection put together. That's going to be our prize for whoever wins the Fantasy Football Challenge. So uh, this week, Tunces, since you won... Do you want to go ahead and, and reveal who your team is this week? So now, folks, remember, we've got one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers, and one tight end. This week's championship team is Tom Brady, <laughs> Chase Edmonds, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, and George Kittle over the middle. Pretty good another, team. Another formidable lineup. Drew, what, uh, what's your team looking like this week? Tom Brady's my quarterback. My running back is Melvin Gordon from the Broncos. My wide receiver, one of them is Devontae Adams. The other wide receiver, I'm going to ride on the power of Toonsis' choice last week and go with Debo Samuel from the 49ers. And my tight end is TJ Hawkinson of the Lions. So, quarterback, Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. My running back is Aaron Jones from that team from Wisconsin. Wide receiver, DK Metcalf, Seattle. My other wide receiver is going to be Mike Evans from Tampa, so I might get some bleed-off points from Tunes and help neutralize the Brady <laughs> effect. And my tight end is Mike Gusecki of the Miami Dolphins. So look at your look at our lineups. Whoever you think is going to win this week's fantasy football contest, write our name, one of our names, in the comments below. Again, like we do all our other contests, we will only accept submissions in our YouTube comments below, not on Facebook, not on Twitter. Don't do any of that. And, of course, they close a half hour before game time on Sunday because you yes. can pick after the games have started. Everybody should know that. Yep. That's a good lineup, Ted. kind of like that. that. Aaron Jones' nine-yard performance he had in week one. He's got to be better. What about them getting their ass kicked? The Vikings may have stuck it up, but they got their ass kicked. They did. And, you know, can I, can I talk real quick about that? Talk, baby, talk! You know, one thing that is really starting to piss me off. You know what really grinds my gears? Well, we may stink, but at least the Packers lost. Uh, you know what? Irritating. That's I don't care. Irritating. I don't care what the Packers do. I don't care what the Lions do. I don't care what the Bears do. I want the Vikings to win, and I want them to be good. And if you think being a fan is, well, my team sucks, but your team sucks worse, yeah, no, you're wrong. Thank Shut you. up.
Be a Vikings fan. Don't worry about what other teams do. Worry about your team. God, I'm sick of that. Well, you know, we're pretty good fans of the Packers lost. So, yay. Yay. You, Roger sucks. I don't care. Be good, Minnesota. Yeah, that is. I'm with you, dude. That is so frustrating. When I was a kid, I had a problem chewing food with my mouth. Hold on. I'd do that. And it would irritate the crap out of my dad. This this is that. You know, the, the Packers are good. Is like little Teddy Glover. That's what that is. It's irritating. And it sucks. And you're going to stop it. I'm done. Off my soapbox. My bad. That was beautiful, dude. All right. It is on to our game preview. If you watched us last week, we did the, the old NFL Today throwback tribute. We're going to continue that along with this this season. Uh, this week, the Minnesota Vikings 0-1 travel to the Arizona Cardinals 1-0. They beat the Tennessee Titans 38-13 in Nashville yesterday. Probably the most shocking NFL game was that, don't you think? Was, was, there, yeah. was there one that you thought was more surprising than that uh, one? I think the score of the Saints-Packers game was probably more surprising. But I think who won and who didn't win that you got to consider that that Cardinals game arguably the big. Well, the, the Dolphins beat New England. I don't know. There's there are a couple upsets I think in Week One, but that was that's right up there with yeah. How we do this is we 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 go through all these different categories: quarterback, running game, receiving game, O line, D line, linebackers, secondary, run zone defense, special teams, coaching, and intangibles. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite category. Ted chopping his food at the table. <laughs> My dad just doing this. All right. We're going to start off with quarterback. I swear this show is therapeutic to my soul, bro. <laughs> I love it. I love laughing uh, with you, man. It's great. So, Kirk Cousins against Kyler Murray. Um, Drew, why don't you go first and take this category, and I'll There's, take the next one. Kyler Murray is, has he's too much of a playmaker to not get the check mark in this category for me, Ted. He just he can make plays all over the field. That's a, the element that Kirk Cousins doesn't give you any of. I mean, Lord knows I'd love to see him roll away from that pressure and hit somebody on a crossing route. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's not, for some reason, that's not possible. So you, he has the advantage there. Kyler Murray was a very efficient yesterday with 21 to 32, four touchdowns, only one pick. And you know what's scary about it? To think that they rolled up 38 points on the Titans without Kyler Murray even have to use his feet. He only had 20 yards rushing. If the yeah. Cardinals, if the Cardinals are starting to roll people without Murray's use of his legs, that's frightening for the league. They better, it is. They could be onto something there. So he gets the uh, check mark in my book. I'm giving the check mark to the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. And uh, yeah, he gets a check mark for me. The only other thing I would say is, you know, we talked about Kirk's yards per average. The Arizona Cardinals averaged nine yards per attempt yesterday, almost double what the Vikings were doing. So, you know, not only is is Kyler Murray kind of a multi-dimensional quarterback, he's kind of an off-schedule guy, as the saying goes these days. Kirk isn't. Yeah, I, I I give the I give the check to quarterback there. Okay. The running game, not running back. I still think Dalvin Cook is the best running back of all the running backs that are going to be playing in this game. But you alluded to the running ability of Kyler Murray. Although he only had 20 yards, he is capable of doing a lot of damage on the ground. The Vikings in recent years have had a hard time dealing with a, a dual threat quarterback, as it were. The the Cardinals running backs. Yesterday, Chase Edmonds and James Conner ran, went 28, carried 28 times combined for 116 yards. When you add in the extra dimension of, of Kyler Murray, I'm going to give the running game to the Arizona Cardinals. 
I am too, Ted. I mean, the Vikings gave up 150 yards on the ground. Mixon's a good back. That's a lot of yards to give up. Uh, I think that there's still a, a work in progress on their run defense, which was horrid last year. But when you're talking running backs, you also got to look at the defense that the runner is going to be going against. I think Cook is better than both Edmonds and James Conner. They're doing the committee thing there in Arizona. I think Cook is better than probably both of them combined. But you know, look at the team they're going up against also. The Cardinals held Derrick Henry to 58 yards rushing. Yeah, that, that impressive. 58 yards and held Tennessee to 86. So you got to look at who your running back is also going up against. Yeah, That has to factor into it. Vikings haven't fixed their porous run defense yet, I don't think. Maybe they need to still knock the rust off. Let me ask you something. The rust that's supposed to be knocked off in preseason, right? Is that- yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good time to do it, sure. Okay, uh, I'll just make sure for next year. <laughs> but learn a lesson for next year. We can get rid of that rust during the preseason. I give the check mark to the Cardinals running game, Ted. All righty. Receiving game. Drewster, you're up first, I think, this time. Cards with their tight end, Golden Gopher, Max Williams. He was held to zero catches last week with only with only one target, probably because by the third quarter, it was like 38 to 14. They were pounding them. There's no really need to pass anymore. I give kind of a wash between Christian Kirk and Hopkins compared to Thielen and Jefferson. That's kind of even keel along the lines of both those. I mean, both those guys had two touchdowns apiece, so they combined for four touchdowns last week. But the talent level is pretty much even with, with those four guys all the way across the board. But with the X factor of Kyler Murray being able to make plays out of the pocket, and also our boy Rondale Moore could be a big X factor in the receiving game, slight edge for me for the Cardinals, Ted. I, I gave this a push. I, I, I agree with everything you say on the top two guys for each team, Thielen Jefferson. Hopkins and 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 uh, AJ Green's also in there as well. Um, you throw him in for the for the Cardinals. Rondale Moore is is an X factor. He had 68 yards receiving, I think, in his in his in his debut as a rookie. Had a very good debut, but so did KJ Osborne. You know, one very of the true. bright one of the bright spots we had in watching the game and talking about yesterday over the Vikings performance was possibly the emergence of KJ Osborne as a legit wide receiver number three. He bailed the Vikings out in one of their 65 third and 20s they had yesterday. I think it's close, but uh, I'm going to give them a push. I think the top four, the two guys on each side are about even. Rondale Moore and K.J. Osborne are about even. It's, it's about about as close as you can get, I would think. So offensive line, is it my turn to go first or yours? Jeez, you can have this. Okay. Uh, Cardinals. <laughs> and I have the Cardinals. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> is there really anything to discuss? I mean, three of the bottom five PFF graded players for the Minnesota Vikings were on the offensive line. Garrett Bradbury, who looks no better through one game, Rashad Hill, and Ole Udo. And they gave up three sacks. And not to mention the hundred false start penalties and the holding penalties and Cardinals get the check. All right. Defensive line. Why don't you go first on this one, brother? Wow, this was another one for me that was really, really close. J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones rolled up six sacks in the Titans last week. Looked very good against the run. Vikings better work on their pass protection packages, Ted, or it's going to be a long, long, long day. Yep. They don't see They still look like they're trying to find their stride. The Vikings' defensive line looked much better than last year, but still has a long way to go. So I gave the slightly slight check to the Cardinals on this position. I- I'm giving this one. 
to the Vikings. And I, I know that seems weird because, you know, you talked about Joe Mixon. The stat we want to bring up right here, he gave up, the Vikings gave up 127 yards rushing, which 79 of those yards came after first contact. And he forced eight missed tackles, which was first in the NFL yesterday. Dude, 10, 10, 10. Oh. That's, that said, oh. it, it seemed like the Vikings interior line did a fairly okay job of containing Mixing until late in the game when he started gashing him for six, seven, eight yards late in the third and fourth quarter. The one thing I thought was encouraging for the defensive line is the ability to put pressure. They had five sacks on Joe Burrow yesterday, two by Michael Pierce, who didn't play last year because of COVID protocols. So I, I'm I'm giving this barely to the Minnesota Vikings, but I will say this. The Arizona Cardinals play a 3-4, which is right. a look the Minnesota Vikings don't see very often. All the all the teams, most of the teams they play, and every other team in the NFC North, Packers play a little bit of 3-4, but most of the teams they play are, are your standard 4-3 four, three, four, three sets. Rashad Lawrence is a big boy at nose tackle for Arizona, and Garrett Bradbury is going to be going up on him one-on-one for a good chunk of the of the day. And then you got J.J. Watt on the outside. He's not the player he was, but he's still going to be a handful for Rashad Hill. So maybe this might be a mistake, but I still think the Minnesota Vikings defensive line is a little bit better. So I'm going to go with that. Why don't you go ahead and, and talk about the linebackers? Uh, with Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, uh, pure athleticism, I got to give right off the bat, I got to give the, the check mark to the linebackers. And you're not even mentioning Chandler Jones, who uh, is back. He, he missed, let's see, I wrote this down. He missed 11 games last year. And in the previous three seasons, he had 19, 13, and 17 sacks. And he's going to be lining up on the outside. And, oh, by the way, he had not one, not two, not three, but five. Five quarterback sacks yesterday. Just by a, himself. Isn't the record, what's the record, Seven? I think it's seven by Derek Thomas. Wow. Yeah. Who's going to block him? Rashad Hill? <laughs> Brian, Brian O'Neill, maybe? Because I they had him listed as a left outside linebacker. So I'm so guessing would... Brian O'Neill and a chip, a chipper, tight end? Yeah, I don't know. Running back to chip, blocked, what, what, Ham, I don't know. Chipper Jones or a wood chipper? Because no. Tyler Conklin ain't going to do it. Not to, <laughs> not to be mixed up with the great Chipper Jones. <laughs> I give a right, second so, to, to them, to Carson. Yep. Me too. Okay, so for the secondary, uh, Patrick Peterson revenge game aside, there's not a lot of guys that jump out to you, that jump out to you in the se- in, in the Cardinal secondary. They got Buda Baker, probably the biggest name guy, but they held Ryan Tannehill in check. Yes, they did. I mean, if there's an offense that mirrors the Minnesota Vikings, it's it's the Tennessee Titans, man, and right. and they did a number on the Titans yesterday. I, I'm so based on that alone. Is it was it an anomaly? Was it a fluke? We'll find out Sunday. But for right now, I'm going to give that advantage to the Arizona Cardinals. Heavy run team, Tennessee. Then they figured out how to shut Henry down, and then they shut the pass down. They're already ahead of us on game planning because they're facing pretty much the same kind of offense. Yeah. It all goes with Henry and Tennessee, just like it goes with Cook in Minnesota. Baker, tremendous talent in the back end, man. They both got good safety. Him and him and Hitman are both really, really top quality safeties. I am going, I have to give the check mark to Arizona again, Ted. Red zone defense. Who you got? Offense. Offense. Is it offense or defense? It's defense. We're going to do some kind of red zone right now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the red zone offense. I don't know what the hell Ted Glover's going to do. <laughs> Last week, 
the Vikings were two and two in the red zone. Arizona was four and five. So both of them were pretty successful in the red zone. I'm going to give the check mark to the Vikings here, Ted, because when you have Dalvin Cook anywhere in the red zone, you got a way a big extra threat besides your wide receivers. Besides stealing, when you got Dalvin Cook, you could you could throw it to him on the perimeter, have him run on the perimeter. He gives you a whole extra weapon in the red zone, and for that, I'm giving the Vikings the check mark. Okay, I'm going to give it to Arizona because of the added dimension that Kyler Murray gives you. They they can do they can set up in a run pass option kind of kind of formation. You've got DeAndre Hopkins. I, I agree with you that Dalvin Cook's the better running back in, in short yardage goal line situations, but I think the Cardinals can provide a more varied formation and more looks than, than the Vikings would probably give you. And and worse comes the worst, you just throw the ball up for DeAndre Hopkins, and he's taller than any other Vikings secondary player, and so I'm just going to give it to the Cardinals. All right, special teams. I'm going to give this one to the Vikings. I was thoroughly impressed with their special teams yesterday. Uh, all facets, kickoffs, the coverage units, the kickoff return, punt returns were okay, and Greg Joseph hammered a 54-yard field goal. It's time expired to send the game to overtime. Uh, it's the Fick and Catalina wine mixer, baby. Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> I, too, am giving the check mark to the Vikings. This is my one category where I was no, no way I was not going to give this one to the Vikings. How about Boom Boom Barry with that 70-yard punt, baby? Yeah. Not to be confused with the great Halle Berry, Ted. <laughs> I know you know her. I thought you were going to say Bob Berry, former Vikings quarterback. Back Not to be confused with the great Bob Berry, Ted. <laughs> okay, uh, coaching. <laughs> you want me to go or you want to go? I'll go. Cardinals right. guy. I don't even know his name. He's the coach. He's my pick. Cliff today. Kingsbury. Cliff with the K. You know, he's not much better. He hasn't really proven himself better. But after what Zimmer showed me last week, you can give me a blind squirrel's going to get the check mark before him. That t- clock management, the end of the first half, uh, we could go on and on. We covered a lot of that yesterday in the live show. My check mark goes to the Cardinals for the coaching. Uh, I'm giving it. I want to. I want to relay this one anecdote. I, I saw it on Twitter, and I actually ha- went back to the game and, and listened to the segment coming out of the locker room at halftime. Fox sideline reporter Jen Hale said she talked to Mike Zimmer. And Zimmer, get this, Zimmer blamed the first half on Kirk Cousins holding the ball too long. Not on the 10 penalties. Wow. Not on the terrible two-minute drive the Vikings had and conversely gave up to go from a 7-0 lead to a 14-7 deficit inside of three minutes, I think, with, of game time to play. No, no, no. No. That wasn't the poor pass protection. It wasn't the shoddy run defense. It was Kirk Cousins holding on to the ball too long. Are you not kidding? the ten That's penalties again? I gotta say ten penalties in one half. Full circle back to what we were talking about forty-five minutes ago about whether he likes him or not. Unbelievable! Come on, man. That's where he went, really. Yes, and oh, he also said he was fine with Clint Kubiak's play calling. Second twenty, let's run it up the middle with Dalvin Cook. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? They're killing me, Marty. They're killing me. So what I did was I listened to it a couple, three times to make sure I wasn't going deaf and people weren't putting words in my ears. And I, after the third time, I played it a little bit longer and it, and it cut back to Chris Myers. I know you don't, you, you watch the game with the volume on zero, but Chris Myers was the Fox play-by-play guy yesterday. And he said, he seemed surprised. He's like, well, uh, I'm not going to be the guy to go up against what the head coach said. 
but <laughs> just sort of let it linger like a like an unwelcome fart at a party. I mean, it was just like, come on, golly! Everybody's oh. going. Cliff Kingsbury. All right, tell me about intangibles, Drew. Okay, well, I'm going to start off with what I talked about earlier, and I think it's the biggest intangible of them all. I got four intangibles, and I'll go through them really quick so I don't drag it on. My number one is leadership. Until I start seeing some leadership on this team, that's an intangible that's always going to get the check mark on the other side. And then uh, Chandler Jones, he's a big intangible for me. Better keep track of him. Their home field, they have home field, Ted. I don't know how much that's going to play into things, but look at how many false starts the Vikings had in Cincinnati. So I'm going to say the home field is a big intangible. For a team that has that many false start penalties, false mm-hmm. starts, two false starts on the first drive. And then, uh, most important thing probably has to be tackling. I don't even know. Is that an intangible? Sure. Their, ta- their tackling was terrible. It was. If you don't tackle any better than that, they're going to put up a 50 burger on you. Easy. I give that to the, the Cardinals as well. The Vikings, again, are going on the road. They, they're playing against a defense they're really, they don't scheme a lot against. They don't play a 3 4 defense a whole lot. I think that's going to cause them problems. Mike Zimmer, I thought he got out coached pretty badly, and that goes to leadership. And it was funny you mentioned leadership. Tommy Kramer, Vikings legend Tommy Kramer mentioned, he tweeted actually yesterday about 1.35 afternoon in the afternoon central time that this team has no leadership. And I think, conversely, that was right about the time that sideline reporter was saying her spiel about what Zimmer said at halftime. I'd have to sync it up, but I bet that was real close. That's not coming from Drew the schlub out in Sacramento. No. He's not a football guy. That's Tommy Frickin' Kramer. Two minute Tommy Kramer. Tommy Kramer. So I, I give that that category to the Cardinals as well. And I think if you look at our total, it's fairly lopsided for the Cardinals. Man, Kool-Aid's not looking good. But that said, Drew Bunting. Oh, yeah. Did you ever watch the movie Patton with George C. Scott? I'm going to lie and say I did, because if I don't, you're going to rip me. <laughs> I have never seen that movie. That or the right stuff. I'll put that on the list. There, there's this one scene. Now, you know a little bit about World War II, right? Did a little bit. The, the Allies had landed in D-Day, and they were kicking the hell out of the Germans. It's, it's December 1944, okay. and it looks like the war's going to be over in a couple months. Okay. And, and there's this scene where George C. Scott, as George Patton says, there's absolutely no reason for us to assume the Germans are mounting a major offensive. The weather is awful. The supplies are low, and the German army hasn't mounted a winter offensive since Frederick the Great. Therefore, I believe that's exactly what they're going to do. The Minnesota Vikings have no business winning this game. They're on the road. They're 0-1. They are seemingly a team on the verge of disarray. Bunch of penalties killed them. Couldn't make a play when they needed it. But ladies and gentlemen... The purple Kool-Aid is coming out. Oh, my God. Tootsies. Look what's Tootsies. Can you, do you see this? Oh, man. <laughs> and the Minnesota open. Vikings are going to pull a major upset. And just like in the Godfather Part 3, just when I thought I was out, they <laughs> pull me back in. And they're going to shock the world and win this game. They have absolutely no business winning. All right. So that's our weekly preview. We're going to end this segment like we always do with the uh, with the Brent Musburger, Jimmy the Greek. Uh, you know, uh, Greek, so... <laughs>
You think the Cards are going to win about 20 to 16 or so? Every week, Brent was trying to sneak it in there, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, I got oh, I, I got the Cardinals by about 9 or 10 in this one. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back, and we'll finish off the, we'll finish off the night with uh, trivia. Hey, this Christmas party is getting a little too quiet. I think it's time we liven it up with my favorite Christmas gift, Mr. Microphone. Hey, what's that? Well, you set the dial on your FM radio and testing, testing. testing. (laughs) These kids are having a fabulous time with Mr. Microphone, the cordless microphone that actually puts your voice on the radio. There are no attaching wires, so you're free to move around. <laughs> Broadcast over any FM car radio. Hey, good looking. We'll be back to pick you up later. You can broadcast in mono or with two more radios in stereo. Professional entertainers use Mr. Microphone for rehearsing. And you can, too. It's practical and great fun for the whole family. And for only $12.88, they really make great Christmas gifts. There's only one Formula One Grand Prix race run in this country. This year, the car that won it was powered by Renault. I mention this because we've just brought some of that competitive thinking to the street. Renault GTA. I consider it another Renault victory. Shut up. Question two. What year? (laughs) (sighs) Question two. I was just trying to tell you something. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Drew, can I ask question two now? Yeah. Okay. What are you waiting on? Tootsies is really slowing this show down. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Welcome to Tootsies Trivia. How you guys doing? Doing good, Tootsies. How are you? Drew? Doing good, Tootsies. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so this week we have a possible 17 points that you guys can get. You're going to answer the questions together. Let's see if you can get 12. All right, first question. What is Mick Tinglehoff's full name? Oh, that I don't know, Ted. Uh, I don't either. Mickey something. What is it? It is, it is Henry Michael Tinglehoff. Henry Michael, I will remember that the rest of my days. Rest in peace, Henry Michael Tinglehoff. You were one head of a football player. Yes, he was. Okay. What year was Mick Tinglehoff inducted into the Hall of Fame? 2015. I was going to say, I, I believe it was 2015. That would be my, that was my answer. Good job. That is correct. Good job, Drew. All right. At the time of his retirement, Mick Tinglehoff had started in the second most consecutive games in NFL history behind his teammate, Jim Marshall. How many did he start? 240, I believe is the answer. That is correct. All right. 
Now, based on the talking you guys were doing earlier, I know you know the answer to this, but I did make it a question. How many Pro Bowls did Mick Tinglehoff go to? Six. That is correct. All right, the next question. Vikings Cardinals. How many times have they played? And I'll give you guys a five game leeway, you know, up or down. So how many games have they played together within five? Well, they weren't in the same division, but same conference. So like more than like a team like Denver, which we talked, I'm gonna say like 25. I think it's higher than that. I'm gonna say it's 43. Uh, Drew, do you want to change your answer? <laughs> From that little thing, I'm gonna say 30. Correct answers, 28. 28, okay. So Ted, Ted was correct. So we'll give you guys. Ted got it. Ted got it within the five point window. Well, you did too if you said thirty. No, he said forty three. Well, then you gave him a chance to collaborate. So that, that's true. All right. So out of the twenty eight games, who leads the series and by how much? And I'll give you a three game leeway on this one. Vikings have eighteen wins. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'd say the Vikings do, and we'll go with eighteen. Sure. That is pretty darn close. The Vikings was 17, so you still got it. All right. Yeah. The last game played against the Cardinals was in 2018. In that game, who led the Vikings running game with 155 rushing yards and one touchdown? Now, in 2018, he got hurt, right? Cook got hurt. Week no, that five? was 20. That was 2017. Cook got hurt in week four. Well, then it has to be Cook the next year. I, I mean, yeah, because I think Latavius Murray was gone. I, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm yeah. Uh, unless Dalvin Cook. Unless she's throwing a twist. This, this is it. like a trick question. This feels like a trick question, but yeah, Dalvin Cook. It was Latavius Murray. Damn it, Tootsies! <sighs> Little tricky cat, you. On. <laughs> All right, here's the tough one where you're gonna have to put your heads together. Here's the weekly question of who have been member of the Minnesota oh. Vikings and the Cardinals in the last 10 years. I found 10. 10 possible points. 10? 10. Patrick Peterson. Correct. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, Col Cor Colby Gossett. We drafted him and then cut him, and I think he played Colby Gossett. That is, that right? That's yep. correct. Good job, Drew. And what about that guy that was on the O-line for the Vikings? They called him the Rhino, and he was supposed to be really good, and he never really was... Like oh, oh, um, Alex Boone. Yeah, it wasn't, he was, okay. Good job. There was another Great. one. Uh, there's Great. probably a tackle. There's got to be a tackle mixed in there, Ted. Um, I was oh, going to say, Mason, Mason Cole. Mason Cole. Yeah, Mason Cole just traded for him this offseason. That's four. Any quarterbacks? I can't think of any quarterbacks off the top of my head. My knowledge well is starting to run dry. Would you yeah. like some hints? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you guys are going to kick yourself in the butt for this one. Um, running back? One of the oh. best Vikings of all time. Uh, Adrian, Adrian Peterson. Peterson. Yeah, duh. Yes. The, the guy that drank the kubacha tea. Whatever that guy. Oh, what was that dude's name? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, got suspended and he claimed it was kombucha tea. Yeah. Michael Floyd? Yes. That's it. Yeah, Michael Floyd. Notre Dame, Michael Floyd. Oh, Sam Bradford. Yes. Because uh -huh. he finished. Yeah, he hurt his knee in 2017 and, and played three, four games in Arizona, hurt his knee again, and then retired the next year. Yeah. I can't think of any more. I'll, yeah. I'll yell out the college. But if I can give you the college, we get credit for it. Sounds good. AJ Jefferson. Ole Miss? No. 
I you don't no even idea. know. Okay. No. Oh, that's what that is. Romaine Brock. Not to be confused with the great Lou Brock. <laughs> or or Ted, not to be confused with Kelly LeBrock. Or yeah. Remember Kelly LeBrock? We don't I, want to confuse do. it. We don't want weird science. Now Ted. Weird science, like, brother. Yeah. If you're ever in a down mood and you need to get sprung up, watch some weird science, brother. So what you get to maniacs, what to do next? <laughs> Hates us, dude. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Last one. I don't know how to pronounce his first name, but I think his last name is Adenabo. Oh, Eddie Adenabo? Yes. I feed a Adenabo, the guy we just he, had. He went to Northwestern. He yes, did? he did. Okay, there you go. And we right. the Big Ten in Saxon senior season. Yes, he did. All right. You guys got up, Ted? eight on that. So. Uh, I have no idea how much that we had, totaled. We had seven, seven plus eight. Yes, you had to get 12. So you got 15 out of 17. Once again, you guys killed trivia. Ted, Ted, Ted. Five game trivia streak we're on now. Five. We're, good. we're, we're going five in a row. Next a week, row. I am going to make it really hard. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> next week. Thanks, Tootsis. All right, uh, I think we've caused enough damage for one night. Also, that's what she said. Oh, my God. Once again, thanks for the fantastic production you do. Liz, thank you for the fantastic production uh, you do. Drew, thanks for the jokes and the therapy that, that this show has, is now providing me as we've, we've gotten to the regular season. I'm, uh, God, I'm glad I'm here for some good jokes. And the, and the great analysis and the, and the whole... You're, you're like Lex Luger, man. You're the total package. If you uh, missed our live uh, post-game show yesterday, Vikings Report Rewind, go check it out. Our good buddy Christopher Gates will join us after every Vikings game, and you get more of it except it's live and unadulterated, and we actually swear a little bit. So it's kind of cool. And sometimes um, we sweat, Ted. What do we sweat? <laughs> what kind of sweat do we have? Cold cuts. We're sweating cold cuts, baby. We're sweating cold cuts. Hey, so we got a live show. What time do the Vikings play? Let's tell our viewers. Join us, uh, Vikings Report Rewind, with our good buddy, Christopher Gates. The Vikings come on at 3.05 Central. That's 105 uh, Drew Bunting time. We will be on about 10 or 15 minutes at the end of the game. And if the Vikings win, we're going to give away a prize. That was sort of an on-the-fly rule we made up during, during the show yesterday. But, yeah, if the Vikings win, and we just sort of have a random – Drew will just sort of decide who wins the prize based on comments, participation, whatever. But, yeah, we're giving away a prize after every Vikings win in the comments, too. So be sure to tune in. Watch the show. Thank you so much for watching this show. Thank you so much for subscribing, for liking, for sending in trivia questions to Ruby, for putting in comments on our Facebook page, Vikings Report, Drew and Ted, for following us on Twitter at Report Ted, R-E-P-O-R-T-T-E-D, or following me at Purple Buckeye. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, folks, we will try to do better the next time. Drew, take us home, brother. Thank you so much for tuning in for Episode 33, the Delvin Cook episode. Uh, talk to you during the live show this Sunday after we beat the Cardinals. With Ted's call there. And uh, we will try to do better next time because that's what we strive for, Ted Glover. Say good night, Ted. Good night, Ted. Godspeed, Mick. <laughs>